Doings of Doyle is sponsored by Belanger Books, home of the best Sherlock Holmes anthologies featuring today's top Sherlockian authors. Belanger Books is the only authorised publisher of Solar Ponds Mysteries, continuing the Sherlock Holmes legacy into the 21st century. Visit them today at belangerbooks.com. Welcome to Doings of Doyle, a podcast dedicated to the works of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Professor Challenger, Brigadier Gerard, and of course, Sherlock Holmes. I'm Mark Jones. And I'm Paul Chapman. And together we'll be exploring Doyle's eclectic bibliography to understand more about the great man's life and work. We'll be discussing his fiction and non-fiction, the well-known and the obscure. And stopping by Baker Street along the way. You can find out more at doingsofdoyle.com or follow us at doingsofdoyle on Twitter. Hello and welcome to episode 36. Today, Paul and I are delighted to welcome to the podcast Linda Bailey and Isabel Follat, the writer and illustrator, respectively, of Arthur Who Wrote Sherlock, a new children's biography of Conan Doyle. Linda Bailey is the author of almost 40 books for children, including novels, picture books and non-fiction. In 2018, she wrote a picture book biography about Mary Shelley called Mary Who Wrote Frankenstein, which received multiple international awards. After that, she turned her attention to Conan Doyle, spending almost a year in his research company, learning about his life, work and passions. And Linda joins us today from Vancouver in Canada. Isabel Follat grew up doodling on every surface available, a habit she has yet to shake. She illustrated her first book while studying philosophy and computer science at the University of Zurich. And encouraged by that experience, she decided to become a freelance illustrator and has found her true passion illustrating children's books. She now spends her time drawing characters, dreaming up whimsical surroundings, and drinking a large amount of coffee from her base in Zurich, Switzerland. Linda and Isabel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for having us. Uh, It's wonderful to see you uh, here as well. And this is a first for us in that we have two guests and three time zones to contend with. Um, (laughs) But it's also a first for the two of you because we gather that this is the first time that you've actually sort of spoken to each other and and seen each other, as it were. And seen each other, yes. Yes. And this is how it usually works. Usually authors and illustrators work very separately and don't see each other. Yeah, it's great. So over to you, Paul, with first question. Yeah, first question. We'll 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 start with basics. Um, how did you get into into writing, Linda? What 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 drew you in in the first place? And Isabel, uh, the, the same question essentially with with illustration. Uh, reading. I mean, being uh, being one of those kids who spent her childhood and and always with a her nose in a book. Yeah, and had, mm. had to be shooed out of the house to yeah. go play. So, so I was that kind of kid, and and and, and when you're doing that as 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 the the almost sole thing you're doing, it, it becomes you know obvious that you may want to try the other side of it. So I always had it in my in my mind, but it took me quite a while to get around to it. So I um, I was a late starter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and is, Isabel with with illustration. Yeah, it was quite well. It's similar. I was um, mm. I was always reading uh, picture books or looking at the pictures in picture books and um, drawing on every surface, as Mark mm. mentioned. 
So, uh, yeah, I wasn't doing anything else, actually. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't know that it would be, it was a real profession. And so, um, yeah, it took me a while to yeah, become an illustrator too. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. fantastic. And and you've now collaborated on this delightful children's biography of Conan Doyle called Arthur Who Wrote Sherlock, which has just come out from Anderson Press. And it really is a, a lovely work, beautifully written and illustrated. Uh, Linda, I wonder if you could tell us how the project came about. Well, it starts usually with the writer, and, and it did start with me because uh, I had already written one biography, Mary, who wrote Frankenstein, and um, the, the the choice of uh, Arthur Conan Doyle came about because um, I'm well. There, I have two questions that I ask when I'm when I'm making that kind of choice, and the two questions I had were both about uh, writing for children. Uh, and thinking in terms of who they would be drawn to, mm. and um, one of the questions is, will the will children know this this writer? And in Conan Doyle's case, I thought probably they wouldn't. In 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 twenty twenty three, I thought they might not. But uh, I knew that they almost certainly would know his creation mm. because. Uh, Sherlock Holmes, of course, is a legend and uh, entirely around the world and more than 100 years now. So uh, I wanted to tell the story of how that happened and how Arthur Conan Doyle, of all the writers who lived in his time and who lived before him and who lived after him, how did it happen that he was the one who came up with, with uh, this amazing um, character? My, my second question in terms of uh, choosing Arthur Conan Doyle was, um, did he live an interesting life? And, mm. and the truth about most writers is that they don't live really interesting <laughs> lives to anybody else because they sit in a room all by themselves uh, and live quite solitary lives. Um, so I, I, I needed to find out Arthur's life was uh, would be interesting specifically to kids. Mm. And when I started to look into it, I found out there were uh, I easily and quickly half a dozen great stories um, about Arthur's life that would be <laughs> the ones that jumped out at his childhood for starters that was mm. both very difficult and also in some ways very fortunate and his uh, when, uh, when he was a young man his going off to sea and all the daring do going on there his early struggles to get published uh, and 10 years of failure was also another story. Uh, obviously the creation of Sherlock, but for me, the big one, and the one that grabbed me most of all was his extremely bold move uh, to send his hero over a cliff. Yeah. At the very height of his, at the very, very height of his fame. Mm. And, you know, which is an amazing thing for a writer to do. And the uh, enormous uh, public cry that, that uh, followed that mm. so all, all of those stories it was it was a very rich trove of uh, uh for somebody doing a biog biography absolutely and 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 how did you go about the process of of researching his his life i mean i noticed that in the credits at the back of the book you you mentioned peggy mcfarlane yes um, yes as being an assistant so did you how did you go about the research process Peggy was very helpful uh, in reading behind me. I was hoping she would look for errors. 
I, I absolutely wanted a, a, a Sherlock expert <laughs> reading behind me. So, so that was wonderful. Um, the, the, re, the, the initial research I, I did on my own, I just dived into all the, the many, many, many biographies. <laughs> it, that's why it took me so long because I, I did read, I think, everything. Uh, and there were also the contemporary interviews and, and there were letters and there was, uh, there was a, a wonderful short film interview even. Mm. which I, I suppose you may have seen, which is mm. where, where you can see his eyes twinkle and, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and, you, and you can hear his, and, and so much of it, the, the most helpful thing of all to me was his autobiography, Memories and, and Adventures. Mm. Mm. Um, hearing in his own words, and it was very often very, very funny. Uh, his, his, he loved to tell humorous stories about his own life. So I. <laughs> I think I, I got a, a strongest feeling about him. That was where I felt like I'd like to go out to a pub with him sometime mm. if he was around. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it, it was it was a uh, it was fun to research. I was I had a good time. So, uh, at what point does did did you get involved then, Isabel? Well, at the very end, I think when Linda was long ready with the manuscript, I got the manuscript through my agent and I was already working with a publisher on another book and they yeah and I got the manuscript and I knew um, Linda's when Mary wrote uh, Frankenstein and um, and I was a huge fan and I'm a huge fan of um, Sherlock Holmes and I didn't know too much about Arthur Conan Doyle so that was tempting and I didn't have to <laughs> yeah well I knew immediately that I would love to do this so yeah i was honored to be asked mm. and, and and which materials did you use isabel with with the research because i i'm just absolutely delighted your, your pictures you can just look at them for, for for ages and there's lots of little references and in jokes um yes there's, there's lots of stuff in there that that you know for for people like mark and i can really enjoy but it doesn't matter if you don't know they just add to the picture and, and the, the the feeling generally so so what what was your research process well i got i got a lot of material i got all all of linda's notes she mm. kindly gave them to me and um i uh, yeah i was looking for of course for visual uh, material that mm. i found on, on arthur conan doll there's a lovely website um it's called Arthur Conan Doyle Encyclopedia. Yes, that's right. So yeah. they have yes. they have yep. letters. <laughs> they have all sorts of uh, um, photographs. I, I was looking at photographs mainly, and then of course reading as well. And uh, I got also a really lovely book recommended by Linda um, by uh, Charlotte Montague, which was really helpful as well. Ah. So yeah, those were the reference materials I was I was using. Yeah. Mm, mm. Uh, and how much freedom then do you get as a as an illustrator to 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 work up the 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 um, story that you've been you've been given by Linda? I get all the freedom, which is really nice. Oh, so, wonderful! <laughs> I get the text, and then they 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 pick you. They pick a certain illustrator because of a certain style, mm. and then but after this, you you are very free to do whatever you want. And then, of course, you just you have the discussions with the publishers, and they review things that might not work or that are not clear. But yeah, yeah, you are very free as a as an illustrator. Mm. In picture books, yeah, mm. yeah. 
That's wonderful. So I, I was free to make my own little jokes and references. And mm. yeah, so that was, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there was clearly an awful lot of research went into it. I spotted a couple of, well, we've got Charles Doyle's yes. illustrations. You've got yes. a, I think yes. you've got a few Dickie Doyle and maybe HB yes. is in there yes, as well. Yes, as well, yes. <laughs> That's very nice. And of course, and of course Edgar Allan Poe hanging <laughs> over everything <Yes>. as well. <laughs> But uh, I had to, yeah. yeah. It was absolutely <laughs> lovely. And uh, just back to you, Linda, on on um, the process of of writing the, the book as well. I mean, d- how did you decide what to include and and what to leave out? Because there's obviously, you know, as you said, he's had, Conan Doyle had an incredibly rich life, um, but uh, you you obviously can't cover all of that in in a in a biography of of this size. Right. Uh, a lot of it is determined by the format. The format of a picture book mm. is, um, it, it's in this case, it's 56 pages, which is long for a picture book. Right. But the, the text is not long. The text is a maximum of a thousand words. Right. So that's not very much. That's if you, if you type that up and double space it, you only got four pages. So yeah. that's <laughs> not much room for writing a whole life, right? Uh, so mostly it's the art, you know, mostly when you turn the pages, what you're seeing is the art and, and small chunks of, of, uh, and so, so that one of the criteria of what I'm writing has to be that it's illustratable for Isabel. Mm. I mean, if I write, if I write 56 pages in which she's sitting at a desk, uh, (laughs) what does that give Isabel? Right. I have to think in terms I don't know what the images will be, but I have to give her something that that she can work with. Uh, and and I and I focused really strongly on what would interest kids. That was what what I wanted to include. Mm. Um, and so you know, would they care that he ran for parliament? Mm. Would they care about his elderly years? Mm. No, and no, right? So mm. kids would care about his childhood. So so the book has more than a dozen pages. Uh, devoted to his early years, the the poverty and the difficult experiences at school, etc. And uh, they would also care about how he got the idea for Sherlock. And I think I think the the, the really the thing that would kids would really be pulled in by, um, it, it's not specifically stated, but the arc of his life, he lived a Cinderella life, mm. actually, right? He he started out poor and unknown and he and the arc was to become rich and famous and very successful so the cinderella story is a very powerful story yes especially mm-hmm. for kids and and kids kids i believe many kids have fantasies about becoming rich and famous and they play games about <laughs> about being royalty or you know about about being movie stars uh but in this story there's an extra twist right because in the end, uh, he killed the golden goose. Yes. <laughs> right? So, so what does it mean to become rich and famous? You know, does it always mean that you're going to be happy? Hmm. And in in his case, that's not what it meant. Hmm. So, I, I think it's an it's an interesting story in that way to tell to kids. Hmm. And you've also got with with linked into that, I suppose the the idea that he's famous the character is more famous than him. And it comes yes. back to what you were talking about <laughs> earlier, that do people know Conan Doyle or do children know Conan Doyle? Maybe not, but they do know Sherlock Holmes. So he's he's still under the shadow of, of, of Sherlock to this day. 
and in the illustrations, he is literally under the shadow. Mm. I mean, he's done <laughs> yeah. a wonderful job in some of the illustrations, the huge shadow yes. of, of, of and, and Conan, poor Conan Doyle, who's crouched over this gigantic pile of letters that have come in from, from <laughs> the fans, right? But they're mostly addressed to Sherlock. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. And that actually happened to him. So I think he did feel, you know, uh, uh, overshadowed and, and competitive. Mm. I think that really happened. It would be a hard thing to have happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I, while we're on the topic specifically of Sherlock, maybe Isabel, uh, maybe tell us a bit about how you went about depicting Sherlock. Did you have a very clear idea in your mind of how to do this, or were you influenced by any other sort of people who had maybe been there before? Well, I I try not to be influenced by anyone because he's he's been painted and drawn so many times so that and by really brilliant illustrators so that was quite a challenge to come up with something that might be a bit different because you mm. still have to have the nose and and the chin <laughs> yes and yeah so that's given but um, yeah I, I tried just literally not to do what anybody else did. Mm. And um, yeah, especially, and then maybe you know there was there was this actor, um, this he was called uh, Basil Rathwell. Oh yes, he played Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, and and I thought like he was my <laughs> my <laughs> he was this Sherlock Holmes, and and so I kind of based some features on him because yeah. he had this. Yeah, really strong face. But yeah, I, I just tried not to do what anybody else did. Mm. And yeah, and still make him look like Sherlock Holmes. So Yeah, and I, I there was one image I particularly enjoyed, which is I think where you introduce um Sherlock Holmes individual stories in the strand and you have a single full page illustration of Holmes and Watson and a policeman investigating it. Well, you can just yeah. see it's a little body because there's two feet sticking in <laughs> off the side of the, <laughs> of the page. But what really struck me was that often, you know, Holmes and Watson in those stories are, are, are young men. Um, they're sort of 20s, 30s. Um, and, um, uh, and often the depictions that we get of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson are not they're older you know people like basil rathbone and nigel bruce are definitely older yes um, they, yeah <laughs> so so you have quite a your your hopes of watson are quite youthful i think in comparison yes yes well well i don't know actually maybe that was not done on purpose <laughs> but uh, i wanted them to be really dynamic and in, in yeah. that picture so i mean they had to be probably they had to be a bit younger but they didn't yeah 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 so and, and, and notice just just looking through through the book uh, again that, that you you've avoided on the whole the, the deer stalker Yes. Again, the well, classic, I... You've got the two children at the end with deer stalkers on, and the, 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 there's one moment, this, this lovely reference to him doing his world travels, and he's got a kind of Tibetan <laughs> version of a deer stalker on, and <laughs> otherwise it's sticking to different forms of, of headgear and avoiding the obvious cliche. Yes, yes. I, I don't, I heard, or I read somewhere that um, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle didn't even mention the deer stalker, did he? I think no, it came from Sydney, it, yeah. Sydney Pudgets that mm. drew it. Yeah, they drew it like mm. that. So, yes, mm. of course, I avoided that. Yeah. 
yeah, he 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 said something about a flap-eared um, traveling yeah. twin traveling twin cap. Peak. Traveling cap, yes. yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> right. not, but not specifically a deerstalker, so, but yes, no, but so, yes, yeah, yeah no, that's uh, I think that's that's there's a lovely freshness to those illustrations as well. Just to come back to you, Linda, on one of the things that you were talking about before, I mean, we 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 bounced off a little into Sherlock there, but um, just to go back to this point about um, selection as well, you, you actually include, and this is something both of you um, you contribute to hugely here, this you actually. Uh, include some really difficult moments in Conan Doyle's life and particularly I wanted to focus in on that page about Charles Doyle because that that itself when I when I saw that in the biography I thought oh gosh this is interesting I wouldn't necessarily have expected this to be covered in a children's Mm -hmm. biography so Linda I mean what did you have any particular thoughts about how you 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 were going to deal with some of those more controversial uh, or, or disturbing aspects of Conan Doyle's life? Well, I, I didn't feel I could leave that out mm. because I was writing extensively about his childhood. And uh, during his childhood, the reality was that his father was ill, mm. um, both with alcoholism, certainly depression. Mm. So that was hard on him. And, uh, and, and what it meant in his life was that he moved seven times in 10 years um, to what I understand were increasingly uh, poorer homes. Mm. And he was sent away at various times to live with family, friends, when, when things were tough at home. So um, I, that, all, that, all, that all felt like it was part and parcel of his life. And, uh, and when I included this, I was also aware that among my readers, my children, child readers, some of those young readers um, might be facing similar problems themselves, yes. right, at yeah. home, or worse. Uh, and But the positive part of Arthur's story was that ultimately, of course, he overcame all that. Mm-hmm. And and he, he didn't just survive, you know, he actually flourished. So uh, in, I, in that sense, I see his, uh, that, you know, a, a strong sense of hope in that, mm. in, you know, in, in the kind of life he lived, having come from that difficult background. Mm. I, I and he had, it, a, had a wonderful mother, too, of course. He had an absolutely, you know, uh, deeply caring and, and uh, uh, very, very caring mother. Yeah. I, I found it particularly interesting, Linda, that, that you actually don't shy away from the fact that it is alcohol is a specific problem as well. Mm-hmm. In the text that you do mention, this it, it's it's not glossed over, um, and and it does add this 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 richness to the story, um, quite definitely. And 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 again, as you say, uh, modern children who'll be suffering with this will see it's not just me, and and it can happen to these these famous people can go through That's right. this, this I, as I well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, since it is a reality in in, in many children's lives, and mm, and mm. it's not, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really help to to say, okay, well, we won't talk about that. Mm, and I mm. don't I don't talk about it very much. I think it, you know, it's it's it's, it's, it's there enough, and then yeah, that's, mm. you know, it it's said, and it's it, that you know, it's there, you know, it's there in the background, but you don't have to dwell on it. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. I, I wonder how you reacted, Isabel, to reading that page when you saw that in come through on the text i mean how did you then you know plan to go ahead to to tackle that page of the the book because it is quite a you know it's it's 
it's a pivotal moment for Conan Doyle and it's a, mm-hmm. a really difficult, potentially difficult subject matter to deal with, I would have thought. Well, as, as uh, Linda said before, I'm, I'm very, yeah, I'm very um, happy that she brought that up because I think uh, picture books are not just lovely, lovely pictures mm. and no problems, no dark nothing, no problems. So um, I was actually really happy to be able to not only paint those wonderful stories that his mother's telling, you know, these really colourful pages, but also the dark pages because that makes the other ones shine even more or, the, mm. or give these stories more importance. So, yes, I try to be not to, I try to be very, you know, a bit subtle with it and mm. just showing Charles Doyle from behind and maybe some bottles. But um, I was actually mm. really happy to to illustrate those scenes, the darker moments in Doyle's life, because mm. that makes the other really bright pages mm. shine more. So, um, yeah, there's there has to be both in picture books, I think. Mm. It's really important to see that too, those sides, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I found this really interesting. The, the the idea that that a lot of the real life pictures, there's there's a more grey, a more sombre palette, and then it comes alive with with the world of of Doyle's imagination, and particularly think of things like with the tiger picture and and where we see Holmes in his beautiful dressing gown. That 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 you know the imagination is 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 where Doyle is is getting his 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 energy from. Um, despite the problems of the real life, and th- this seems to come across in the palette, which I, I presume is 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 a very deliberate policy here. That I mean, this is how he's able to cope. Yes, exactly. That mm. that was that was what uh, drew me to Linda's manus to Linda's text that she was that she was um, focusing on this importance of stories in in in, mm. in, in Arthur Conan Doyle's life, and that was really fascinating to have those two. Uh, uh, you know the the grayer world and also the Victorian world, which was yes. the color palette of, of is is very muted there mm. with uh, some specks of color. So yeah, that was very interesting to do that. Yeah, mm. and and some of the more the the really vivid images in in the book uh, relate to the, the there's the Reichenbach fall incident. And there's also the the Hound of the Baskervilles as well. You've got two fantastic, bold, double-spread images uh, for those as well. And and um, quick question to you, Linda, on that one is you obviously knew that the Reichenbach Falls was going to be in there given the story the story that you were setting out to tell. Were you, were you keen that you were going to get the Hound of the Baskervilles in there as well? Was that something that you felt was going to be uh, uh, an essential? Well, yeah, I mean, it was... As I said before, it has to be illustratable, and certainly those two moments are hugely illustratable. And 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 uh, is is uh, Isabel did such an amazing. Th- I, I just was so delighted when I first saw the them them falling down. The two of them wrestling, still wrestling. <laughs> as as they fall, they are still wrestling. Which yeah. was you know it's. Is this wonderful droll element that uh, that I, I think <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle would have enjoyed himself, and that mm. Isabel added to it. So that was like you know she made it humorous as that mm. they were falling in that way. 
and uh, and and the and the dog. I mean, the dog was just amazing. <laughs> just a full, you know. Really, all we have is the background and the dog, and the dog is is right up front and enormous. So that was perfect too. I mean, you might not you might not know Isabel, but the, the there is a running thing in in Sherlockian fandom about how badly depicted the hound is usually. So, oh really? <laughs> so you've got you've got you've done you've done an enormous God. service to the community by actually having a, a really great a really great version of the Hound of the Baskervilles to look mm. at as well. Yeah. I, I, and and of course you're based in Zurich. So uh, are you familiar with yeah. the Reichenbach Falls itself? Have you been? Yes, I've been there. Mm. Yes, of course I've been there. Yes. And it's, well, it's not enormous as enormous as 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 you would imagine, of course. <laughs> but yes, I've been there. Of course. Yeah. Could you could you tell us a bit, Isabel, about how you actually go about creating these uh, these illustrations? So what's your what's your method? Well, first of all, I, I just get the manuscript and it's it's uh, divided in in pages, and uh, then I'll do tons of really very very small thumbnail scribbles just mm. to just to show where I could draw what what would come where, mm. <laughs> and. Um, and then I refine those, and yeah, um, then if I think I have something presentable, then I, I send it to the, I send the sketches, the still sketches, I send them to the publisher, and I think Linda got them as well, mm. and so everybody's commenting, all the editors, the art director, everybody's commenting on those sketches, and then I some pages are already okay. Some pages I would have to redraw, and then until finally everything's everyone's okay with them, All and right. then I will go to color, and then I, I use watercolor pencils, um, pen and ink, mm. and and a bit of computer, of course. I scan it then, mm. and then okay, tweak the colors and do stuff like that. All yes. right, okay. So there's quite a bit of. Um, uh, uh, I hadn't realized there was quite so much um, backwards and forwards with, with sort of yes. drafts. Yes, there is, because you miss a lot of things then, uh, or you might draw things that are too controversial, or, yeah, there's there's a lot of things that, yeah. that could go wrong, actually, or you, yeah. Mm. yeah. And so does that mean that, Linda, you then get an opportunity to, to, to input again at, at that stage? Uh, yes, all, all, the various stages of the art. Um, yes, I do get a chance to look, especially, and it's especially important with nonfiction, mm. because you know, there's because I've done all this reading, and and uh, hopefully, Isabel hasn't had to do quite as much reading. <laughs> there, there, there may there may be more just you know, uh, strict information, right? That that's that's uh, that hasn't translated into my text, so I, I I left that out of the text. But but it's something that I know. So so for that reason alone, it's important that um, I, you know I I become the the content expert, I guess, a yes. little bit mm-hmm. at that yeah. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then P- Peggy Purdue came behind me <laughs> to to double to double for another content expert to uh, to look for you know for that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and one of the really difficult things about taking sort of Conan Doyle's life in, in its totality and then trying to bring it back is is that you know he spent the last fifteen years of his life um, as a spiritualist crusader, which is 
not really going to be a topic of great interest to children, I should think. You do mm. obviously reference it towards the end, but do, was how did you approach that that particular aspect of it, of his life? Well, um, I, I left it out really because yeah. uh, for for a couple of reasons. One one was exactly for that reason that it was his late life, and and. Uh, I, I, in general, I gave a very short shrift to his late life. You know, yes. I, I gave, I put all my energy into the, his childhood, uh, his, his, his career as a doctor, that kind of period. And then the, then his, then his, uh, writing period with mostly with Sherlock. So, um, and so one reason was, was that, but another reason is that I, I felt that that would be, that was something that would be very hard for kids to understand yeah. kids in 2023 to, to think about uh, hmm. speaking to people who had died in, in a seance or whatever. Mm-hmm. It would require a lot of explanation and more than, than I had uh, space for, but, but there was another piece of that too, which was that I, 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 began to feel that this was really part of a particular historical uh, context. <clears throat> I mean, it was post-World War II and it mm. was, um, and it also was just post the uh, uh, Spanish flu. So there was all this uh, in the culture, all this death and loss and grief going on. Arthur lost a son and a brother and a nephew and Mm. friends and mm. uh, and I think for at that time you know it became it was a thing at that time and it was I think because it gave people comfort and mm. and it's um that you know to think that all these dead people were in, in a sense still with us so it might have even been an optimistic response to that you know but but to try to explain yes. all of that yeah, to, to chil- children would be you know really really hard was there a temptation i mean this this is uh, so with my partner teresa who's a, a another you know worm doily and sherlockian really enjoyed the book together with, with with me and and one thing she she said and i don't know if you were tempted uh, at any point with this is is the cottingley fairies incident which involves <laughs> children and also would have isabel would have it would have been a delightful incident <laughs> to illustrate yeah. it was a conscious decision made on the Cottingley Fairies incident, um, to, to leave that out? Well, it, 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 I, I, no, I, I, I was quite delighted about, about reading about it. But, mm. but uh, you know, in the, I, I had to make choices, I guess mm. is what it boils down mm. to. And it was, mm. it was a, you know, compared to other things in his life, that was a small part of his life. And, mm. and maybe I could have included it on the spread that said, and then he did this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and this, yeah. and this. You know, it could have been in there. And, and Isabel had to had to do a whole lot of spot illustrations, mm. five or six mm. of them. Yes. But I, I I crowded all that stuff from the later time and times in his life into into one spread, which was uh, mm. you know a big a big cheat, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just absolutely couldn't fit everything in. He mm. lived such mm. a long, rich, full life, right? Mm. Mm. So. And we had, we had 56 pages. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I had 1,000 words. <laughs> <laughs> but you do manage to get into that, that, that moment at the end uh, with the sort of later years. You actually managed to get in the auto wheel, which is this mad invention he <laughs> oh. had. He sponsored, wasn't he? The, the engine mm. that would be strapped onto the back of the bicycle, which you, you can actually see now. But, um, mm. but I thought there was a lovely little illustration of him 
on his auto mm -hmm. wheel I thought mm -hmm. was great. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, one, the one that I would love to have figured out how to get it in was the one is the, the, the photograph of he's on this a tall bicycle and his and his poor yeah. wife his first wife is mm. perched on the front oh yes and, and, yeah. and every time i saw that i laughed every time i looked at that photo because <laughs> he took her we took her what for 50 miles or something <laughs> and i understand at some point she got off and, and took a train ride home she wasn't going to go any farther because and I, I thought what well, you know what a brave woman to, to perch herself on the front of that thing <laughs> and it looked so uncomfortable <laughs> but it i wish they were there been i wish i could have included that i would have loved to yeah there, there were lots of funny bits that i that i wish there were uh, <laughs> space for another one was mm. the his friendships with with so many other writers including uh jm barry mm. and mm. and the play they wrote together it, it was based on, yeah yeah it, it was uh it was supposed to be um who, who are the two operetta guys Gilbert, Gilbert and Sullivan. And Sullivan. Yeah. It was supposed to be a Gil Gilbert and Sullivan sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, and I, I just thought that was such a funny story. Um, and they and they they joked about it for the rest of their lives. Yes. So nice to nice to see that side of it as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, in terms of the sort of selection of of content for the the book, the thing that I really liked was you identifying this theme of fairness. Um, yes. Which, which I, it was lovely to see that come through because that's always been one of my abiding takeaways from reading biographies of Conan Doyle is this sense of fair play, which can be sort of very heavily caricatured. But actually, I do think it ties into his sort of later social justice work and people like George Edelgee, which you, which you reference and, and, and um, illustrate Isabel as well. So... I mean, it's. Uh, I thought that was a really nice angle to to come out. Was that something that leapt out of you when uh, at you when you were doing your research? Then that that particular theme. Uh, yeah, it was, and there and there were spots that are other other incidents that I didn't uh, write about. There was, as a young man, um, he 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 was a what do you call it? An intervener, somebody yes. somebody who spots something going on, and mm. in several cases, some. Uh, somebody abusing his wife, mm. uh, you know, in the streets or somebody, tr somebody treating a woman badly. Mm. And he would just kind of march right in there right? <laughs> and, and it, 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 a, a large crowd of people, nobody doing anything. And he was the one who stepped up and said, stop that. Right. Mm. So there were, there were a number of incidents like that as well, that, that were you know, just small incidents, but you know, where he, he risked his own safety mm. to go to someone's rescue. Yeah. So, of course, all the illustrations in this are absolutely wonderful, Isabel. But oh, thank do you. you have a, do you have a particular favourite, or, or or they 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 all, you know, you, you love them all equally, or is, is there <laughs> any one that really you, you would pick out, or is that an unfair question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually really don't like them. No. no, not not love them all, but you know, it, it takes some time until I like my illustration so mm. that's a hard that's a hard question ah. <laughs> but um i really i i really enjoyed doing you know the first one where his mother's was he where he's in the kitchen with his sister and his oh, mother yes. and the mother yeah. 
is tell and he's very little and um, his mother is telling them stories and mm. yeah yeah so that was one of my yeah that was one probably one of my favorite and I think it was the first one I did yes oh wow yeah okay. right yeah and were there yeah. were there any that were particularly went through several iterations and well the hound of basketball was really hard oh was it <laughs> he he looked a bit like a wolf in the first in the i think in the first uh you know in the first draft and then yeah it was very hard because i just found really the the floppy ear um <laughs> illustrations and i didn't really know how he should look yeah that was hard that was probably the hardest, yes. Yeah, well, you, you definitely don't have many good um, depictions on yeah. screen to go off. Yeah, it was hard. <laughs> and you're, not, you're not the first person to have <laughs> wrestled with the floppy ears, making it look a yes. little you know. <laughs> No, that's yes. wonderful. That's really so good. That was hard, yeah. So uh, one other thing, too, to, uh, we're, we're, we're coming close to time, really, and I'm just wondering, you know, what are you, what are you both working on now? Um, so, Linda, Linda, what's your next project well i i usually have uh several kind of going uh i have a, right now a couple of picture books in the works and and also a uh middle grade novel so that's kind of a mm -hmm. like a, a, a humorous adventure so and and isabel what are you working on well at the moment i'm also working on mostly on on, on different projects and a few picture uh, middle grade um you know, covers, just the covers, and um, then a big picture book adaptation of um, a classic, a children's book classic. Oh. I can't say what oh, it is. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, very good. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> we can't, and, and nobody's come to you yet asking you to do the entire Sherlock Holmes stories. All oh, of I would love to. Oh, yeah, that would <laughs> be enormous. It would be enormous work. But yes, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to see that, I think. Look, yeah, that, it's, that that's wonderful. Nice. I mean, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We've really enjoyed talking to you about the book. Mm, I mean, it, it is a wonderful, it is a wonderful book. We, we both enjoyed reading it and we've been sharing it with other people and yes. and i know lots of there is a lot of interest in it out there so thanks very much for your time coming on here today to to tell us mm. your method and how you went about it and very good mm. luck in the future thank you so much for having us well thank you this this has been, been wonderful yeah this has been great fun thank you so yeah. much thank you well, it was lovely to have Linda and Isabel on the podcast, and we thank them again for their time. And, uh, you know, it's so lovely now, I think, to have a children's biography and the potential here to introduce Conan Doyle to, you know, the next generation. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and using them. And, and this book will, it will draw children in, I've, I've no doubt whatsoever. Um, it, it's... It, it, it's a very skillful book um, where Linda talked about just just having a thousand words there mm. to tell this story uh, and y you do get a bit distracted sometimes with these picture books from the fact that they have a text as well mm. uh, and it, there's a particular skill to this sort of writing uh, and the the, the 
the incidents from Doyle's life that she's chosen, and it, it's 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 really really cleverly arced. Yes. Um, and then of course you've got all the, um, the 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 wonderful illustrations to to back this up. It, it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful piece of work, and then uh, both Linda and Isabel have, have have done a fantastic job, and I you know I wish it all the success, and it deserves it, and um, you know we both thoroughly recommend yeah. it. So um yeah, go out and have have a have a look for this book and, and just spend ages just just losing yourself in it. It's wonderful. Yeah, it is, absolutely. And and we'll put a link to the book in the uh in the show notes. So that's uh, that's all we've got time for this time. Thank you very much for listening. Uh if you want to read more about um Linda, Isabel and the book, then please visit the show notes at doingsofdoyle.com. And if you want to support the podcast, then please leave a rating or review on your podcaster of choice or think about um, sponsoring us on, on Patreon or on PayPal. You can find out more at the website. So, Paul, what are we looking at next time? Next episode, we'll be returning uh, to the world of, of science fiction gothic and looking at uh, Conan Doyle's 1913 story, The Horror of the Heights. Uh, one of my favourites. So thank you very much for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. I know you said you were you were you were a bit worried about the the, the black armbands after we did the final problem. Episode. Yes. Oh, we're like, oh my god, we did that. <laughs> I think that's definitely so, yeah. artistic license is permitted. Yes, but. it is. <laughs>